Good morning, family of grace. My name is Jordan. It's good to join you uh, this morning. Now, for those of you who were on the Zoom meeting, you were having a conversation about lessons that you learned in your first job. My first job was in Montana. I got to work for a summer at a plant nursery, which mainly me meant that I pulled a lot of weeds. And I, I did the job over the summer. It was really hot. It was hard work. And then the last day of work came before I started school. And I wanted to go out on a good note. So I just, I worked like I hadn't really worked before. And at the end of the day, as I'm saying goodbye to all of my coworkers, whom I will miss, this sweet old lady named Dee said, you know, bye, Jordan, we'll miss you. And great job working today. It's a shame that you couldn't work like that all the other days this summer. And she was right. I had a lot of lessons I needed to learn. Now, one of my favorite jobs was one I didn't technically have. I was an intern at a church down in Roseburg, volunteering. Um, it was at a unique stage in my life. I just was finishing my associate's degree. I was able to work part-time and pay my bills. And so I volunteered a ton of hours to the church. But halfway through the year, uh, the pastor I was working with left to plant a church in Portland, and a new guy named Joe stepped in. And so Joe and I, we got along great. He gave me all sorts of fun and not-so-fun tasks to do. And we were working with high school and college-age kids. And then the time came that I was going to leave. I was going to go to college. And one day, Joe's wife comes up to me, and, and something's wrong. Something is very clearly wrong. And she goes, Jordan, we are so sorry. I'm like, I'm fine. What's going on? I don't understand. And she says, we thought we were paying you. And I went, what? She says, we thought that you were being paid by the church, that you were on staff. We had no idea that you were a volunteer. We never would have treated you that way. It remains to this day one of my absolute favorite compliments that have ever been paid because apparently I had learned something. I still had a lot to learn, but I learned something. Uh, and Joe and Jan together went to the church and they actually put together a substantial gift to help send me to college with. So uh, thank you to them and to the folks at Wellspring Bible Fellowship circa 2009 that was really helpful. But all that's remain is that we start work and we grow in maturity, we grow in our abilities, uh, and our first jobs hopefully are not the same as our last jobs. This morning we're going to be talking about work because we're finishing up 1 Corinthians. Paul has wrote this immense letter to this church that has gone wrong in so many different ways. And he's culminated it by highlighting the staggering importance of the resurrection of the dead. Like Jesus rose from the dead, and because he did, because he rose, because he was witnessed, many people saw him after he rose from the dead, we know that we too will rise from the dead. And so Paul finishes chapter 15 with verse 58. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you away from the grace of Jesus. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. If everything ended at the moment that you died, then all of your productivity, every lesson you learned, every skill you acquired, who you became to be at the end of your life, none of it matters. Within four to five generations, no one in the world will remember that you even existed. But because of the resurrection of the dead, everything matters. Everything that you do and the person that you become day after day, it all counts because it'll last into eternity. So he said, in light of the resurrection, give yourself to the work of the Lord. 
And then we begin chapter 16. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Paul's putting together a gift to send back to the church in Jerusalem. On the first day of every week on Sunday, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. This was back in the day before Western Union could just electronically transfer funds from one account to another. If you wanted to send someone a gift, you gathered coin and enough people to keep that coin safe, and you actually hiked it to wherever you wanted it to go. And so Paul is just giving them some very practical details. Look, every Sunday on the day that Christians come together to celebrate Jesus, as you've prospered the week before, just put a little together so that when I arrive, we don't have this huge shenanigan as we try to figure out where all the money is and how to collect it. And what Paul actually did is he gave them a practical response. He had just told them, give yourself fully to the Lord's work, and here's a concrete way to do that by setting aside money to gift to a church that needs it. He's going to go on and tell them about his travel plans. Now, after I go through Macedonia, I'm going to come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I don't want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. So Paul's down in Ephesus, that little circle on the right-hand side. Macedonia is basically the loop to end back in Corinth. That's his plan. And he says, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. In the book of Acts, we read about the amazing things that God is doing through Paul's ministry in the city of Ephesus. All of Western Turkey is hearing about Jesus. Crazy miracles are being done. And in a matter of months after penning this letter, a giant riot is going to break out because Paul has been so effective proclaiming Jesus Christ that he's caused a severe economic downturn for the pawn shops and peddlers at the Greek temples. It's pretty cool. Go read it, Acts chapter 18. But Paul says, after I go through Macedonia, I'm going to come to you guys so that you can help me on my way. Paul thus far has resisted any attempt by the Corinthian church to support him financially. But now he's conceding. He says, if you want to send me to go bring the gospel to other places, you can help me because I'm doing the Lord's work right now. But when Timothy comes, who Paul has sent to Corinth, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he's with you, for he's carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt, send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers. So look at Timothy. He's doing the Lord's work. And what should you do for him? You should send him on his way. Just put gas in his tank, give him some lunch money, and make sure that you don't mistreat him. And off he goes. Now about the brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go with you, to go with the brothers. And he was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has opportunity. Earlier in the letter, Paul highlights the fact that Apollos and him and Peter and others had become uh, teachers over which certain segments of the Corinthian church were dividing. The Corinthians made Paul and Apollos out to be rivals, but Paul doesn't see it that way. 
To him, Apollos is a co-worker, a co-laborer. And despite all of the, the factions that are going on in the Corinthian church, Paul has no problem strongly encouraging Apollos to go set things in order. Apollos, for whatever reason, wasn't willing to go. He'll come when he can. And then, I think because he just addressed Apollos, whose name got mixed in with a bunch of the trouble that was going on in that church, Paul reminds them, essentially, don't forget everything I just wrote in my letter. Be on your guard. Watch out for divisiveness. Watch out for sexual immorality. Watch out for um, boasting that's in anything other than Jesus. <laughs> Watch out for not loving one another well. Like, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Don't leave Jesus. Don't quit believing in the resurrection. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything in love. Just a few verse summary of everything that he's just said. Now, you know that the household of Stephanas were the first converts in Achaia. They have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. So here's Stephanas and his household. They've devoted themselves to the work of the Lord. So what should you do for people like that? You should submit to them, to anyone who gives themselves to serving the Lord's people. Paul goes on. And I was glad when Stephanas, Fortunatus, and Achaicus arrived, because they supplied what was lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. So the three, they supplied what was lacking. They refreshed my spirit. What should you do for people like that? You should recognize them. You should honor them. Now the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church that meets in their house. All the brothers and sisters there send you greetings. Greet one another with a socially distanced holy kiss. Just kidding about the socially distanced part. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, signing off. Yes, this is me. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Seems a bit out of place, Paul. What's going on? And, and this is not entirely out of character for Paul. In the book of Galatians, he curses those who lead people astray from the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are killing people eternally. And Paul says, a curse be on them. In Thessalonians, he says, curse be to, be to the people who aren't listening to my letter. So it's basically saying, hey, all of you who are leading people away from Jesus and not loving people well and don't want to listen to anything that I've been saying in the authority of Jesus Christ, may there be a curse on you. Like, wake up and, and come back to Jesus. And then Paul concludes with, come, Lord. Come save us. Come restore our broken and fallen bodies. Raise the dead and fix all that's wrong with the world. Come, Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. And I love that last line. It's unique. In all of all Paul's other letters, he just concludes with, you know, grace and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. But to the Corinthians, whom he loves, but who for a whole letter he has sternly rebuked and challenged and confronted harshly at times, he concludes with, guys, I love you. I really do. And that's how the letter ends. But what do we see in this final section? We see a pattern. Paul begins with the Corinthian church. You guys are to do the Lord's work. And here's a way you can do it. Set aside money to give to the Jerusalem church. 
And hey, look at me. I'm doing the Lord's work. And when I come to you, you guys can help me on my way. And Timothy is doing the Lord's work. And you guys should not treat him badly. Rather, you should help him on his way when he comes to you. And then Apollos, we know he's doing the Lord's work. The household of Stephanus is doing the Lord's work. You should submit to people like that. Stephanus, Fortunatus, how would you like that name? And Achaicus, uh, they're doing the Lord's work. And you should give them honor and recognition. And it's just this pattern we see through the last chapter. So what are we to do? We're to get to work. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Because everything matters now. And what should we do for people we see doing the work? We should help them. We should submit to them. We should honor them. So we should all be about working and we should help and submit and honor those people that we see doing a good job working. So for us at Family of Grace, I thought, well, let's just go through those three. How can we help people? Now, for the Jerusalem church and for Paul and for Timothy, that help really took the form of financial remuneration. Like, we're going to financially help them out here. And so I sent all of you guys on the church email list an email with this update from one of our missionaries, Peter and Debbie Dodd. They're working with at-risk youth in Taiwan. And they've just recently had a home constructed, and the whole second level is ministry space to welcome kids in. And so they sent out a report and an ask. They said, guys, these are some projects. These are some things we would like to do, uh, and we, we need the funds to do them. So would you prayerfully consider partnering with us here? And so I've sent that out to you. I would encourage you guys, go read it. At least get to know one of the missionaries that our church supports and pray for them. Maybe sign up for their newsletter. And if God so leads, then maybe you can actually make a financial contribution to people. Why? Because they're doing the Lord's work. And it's a good thing that they're doing. Now let's talk about submission, because that's everybody's favorite one. Or I should say the one that we're all scared of. Because it's really been misused. It's, it's really been misused. But Paul says you are to submit to people who give themselves to serve the Lord's people. And that's a different thing. Let me tell you a story about an old boss I had. His name was Jim. I've told stories about him before. Jim was the kind of guy who would give you the shirt off his back. I, I mean, he gave me $100 when I failed a test so I could retake it. Uh, one of our coworkers broke her ankle. She was out of work for six weeks. Jim showed up at her house with flowers, groceries, and toilet paper. Just because. Because he loved people well. And I knew that. Jim would, Jim would do almost anything for me. So one day as I'm about to swipe out and, and be done with my work day, Jim says, hey, man, I need you not to swipe out right now. Instead, I need you to drive from Portland up to St. Helens and make some deliveries, and I'm going to throw three or four extra hours of work onto your day at the very, very last minute. And it was hard. But I know Jim. I know his character. And so submitting to it was just something I did. Now, that was for work. He was actually my boss. I needed to listen to him. But Paul points out the household of Stephanus, like they are working to serve people. And, and if you want to know what submission might look like, I just encourage you, go read all of 1 Corinthians. Because really that's what Paul has been calling the Corinthian church to do. He's been calling an entire church to submit to him. How? By aligning themselves with Jesus Christ. By bringing their life back into conformity uh, so that they look like people who love Jesus. Like, that's the kind of submission that's being called for. Like, hey, man, I love you, and I see that this 
thing that you're doing doesn't conform with the gospel. This isn't who God has called you to be. You need to come back. You need to submit to that. Like, that's the kind of submission. The kind of submission that joyfully gives up things that it wants because it's good for you to do, because the people who are asking you to do it love you and have your best interest at heart. So that's the kind of submission that Paul calls us to. And then lastly, Paul says, recognize and honor people who are doing good work. So I'm going to have some fun. So let's recognize those who are investing their time in the church. So I'm going to begin with Eric Peterson, who's sitting right over here. I'm going to embarrass him a little bit because Eric has been steadfast. And he's been here at the church like most weeks, at least two different days, working to make this whole live stream thing happen. And if not for his expertise, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be going well. This man is carrying a lot of the church on his shoulders right now. And he's worth honoring because it's a good work that he's doing. And I got Connie and Kevin here who have been here week after week doing slides and doing sound. And they're worth honoring. And I just want to say thank you guys for what you do. It matters. It all matters. And to those of you who are giving generously, Dick Cole normally checks the mail, but right now because of what's going on, I'm the one checking the mail. So when a check comes in, I just put it in the safe. And thank you guys for your generosity. It means a lot. And thank you to all of you essential workers out there. Thank you to people like Marlena and Shannon and other people who are working in hospitals and coming in contact with people who are sick during this time. What you do matters. Thank you to all of you who are interacting with the public now. What you do matters. It all counts. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you who are working on the church building and grounds, to guys like Sam and Mark and Bob and Bruce and Scott. Guys, it's looking so good around here. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you to all of the women who are calling the other women of the church to check in on people. Thank you for what you do. That's honorable. You guys are good. And I'm just so full of delight at the way that this church is loving one another. Thank you to all of you kid care workers, all of you parents at home right now watching this while you're trying to Get your kids to be quiet enough that you can actually hear what I'm saying. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the way that you're raising the next generation. It matters. It's important. Thank you to Hannah and to all of our, our kid care teachers, children's ministry workers. Guys, what you do matters. Thank you. And thank you to those of you who regularly pray for the church, for Tamara and Carol and Tashina, for Re Rebecca and others. Guys, everything that you do matters. And we could go on and on. But recognizing you and honoring you for the work that you do is a good thing to do. Because of the resurrection of the dead, everything counts. Everything counts. And it can just delight us. And we can just walk around with this amazing attitude of, of satisfaction and gratitude when we see the work that other people do. Because it's good. Because it's really, really good. So Jesus has risen from the dead. And so we're supposed to get to work. And when you see other people getting to work, you should recognize it. You should honor it. You should help it as you are able to. And if these are people who are serving the church, then you should submit to it. So maybe this day you need to help work that's going on. You know, I, I mentioned the Dodds. Or maybe it's, you know, making a donation to the Portland Rescue Mission, who is doing some marvelous work in this city with the homeless right now. And because of the pandemic, their expenses have really risen because they've had to make some changes in the ways that they operate. 
It's a good work. Or maybe it's just asking your neighbor across the way, hey, can I support you? Can I help you? Or, or someone else, like, oh, hey, what you're doing really, really matters. How can I get behind you? How can I help? Maybe when it comes to submission, maybe the easy thing is if there's something in your life that is not in line with the ways of Jesus and what you know God has called us to, and, and people have mentioned it to you, or even if they haven't yet, like align your life with it. Submit to Jesus. Submit to those people who are serving you, who are loving you. So I don't know what that might be for you this morning, but maybe you need to submit because we all have work to do. And maybe this morning you just need to honor somebody. You know, maybe you need to turn to your spouse after this is done and just pick three things to thank them for the way that they serve you and your family and just express gratitude to them. Maybe you should just write someone a card. A handwritten card can mean a lot. And just drop that in the mail. Like how can you honor and recognize people who are doing the work? And then lastly, for you, for all of us, as we think about what it means to get to work, a few thoughts here. My first day at one of my jobs, I spent in front of the computer for eight hours watching training videos. You know, we talked about our first jobs. The fact of the matter is that we don't get to be like Jesus, <laughs> like instantly, un unless God really has something special planned for us. For most of us, it is a long and arduous step-by-step-by-step -step process where we grow in our skills and our knowledge and our maturity and our faith. And so maybe for some of us, we need training. Maybe we don't actually know that much about Jesus or that much about God's word, and we need to go read it. And that's what we need to do this day to get to work. Maybe we need to begin to develop some, some habits of, of the spirit, like prayer or other things, uh, whereby we become slowly the kind of people useful to every good work. Or, or maybe we're further along and, and we've begun to develop those habits, but maybe we need to engage them more intentionally. Or maybe there's a way that we know we need to respond. Or maybe we just need to continue the work and support the people who are already doing it. Like there's all sorts of ways that we can respond. And maybe it's our attitudes, maybe it's our emotions, or maybe it's actual deeds. But when I say get to work, I don't mean go crazy trying to just do stuff. I mean begin to order and structure your life around serving people. Look at Paul. He's in Ephesus because this guy's entire life has been changed by Jesus. Because the goodness of the gospel got into him, and so he's going to place after place after place, spending years of his life working with his hands to support himself and the people that he's working with, all so that he can just tell people about Jesus because it matters. And so my hope for the church as we begin to get to work is that one day every one of us would grow to be the kind of person that can help others to find and to follow Jesus, that we might make and grow disciples, that we would be a reproducing church that brings the good news of Jesus to those who need it so desperately through the way that we talk, the way that we think, the choices that we make and the things that we abstain from through the ways that we welcome people to come, you know, share a meal with us, and the ways that we just are full of love and joy and peace in times when other people are going crazy. Guys, Jesus has risen from the dead, 
and we have work to do. But it all matters. So let's get to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Thank you for the work that you've given us to do. God, we know that it's not by works that we have done that you've saved us. It was only by your mercy. It was only by your grace. But Lord, you prepared us, each one of us. You've made us into masterpieces and you've prepared work for us to do before the foundation of the world. God, you have a plan and this is good for us. So Lord, I pray that we would grow in our ability to work. We'd grow in our appreciation of work, that we grow in our knowledge that you actually want us to do something with this good thing that you've given us called the gospel, the message of your son. Because God, you are a giving God and you gave that which was most precious to you when you gave us Jesus. And Jesus, when we look at you, we see someone whose entire life was lived for the sake of others and we praise you for it. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would mold each one of us into the likeness of Christ, that we would learn to love one another the way that we have been loved by Jesus, that we would take what we've been given and learn to give it to others because that is the best kind of life that can be lived, one for your glory and one for our good. So Father, bless us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.